Well, welcome, Saints. Um, my name is Monica Terrell, and I am coming to you from the radio booth at the Father's Church here in Dallas, Texas. And I'm very excited to announce that we are beginning a new um, revelatory, prophetic, visionary type discussion. Um, we're, we're not exactly sure what this um, broadcast is going to be called officially, but it's really a lot like um, a spiritual Nematocost roundtable where we're going to be having discussion with um, the prophets and the seers with the apostle. I'm here with Apostle Ron Crawford, and I'm here with our resident seer in the house, Stacy McGill, and, and then, of course, myself. And we're going to spend the next hour just having discussion about a topic that has been very prevalent amongst the saints over these last couple of weeks and even into the months um, over this past season. And that is the topic of the anointing, the topic of oil as we find it in scripture. And the Lord has really been speaking a lot of things about not only the anointing, but about um, the application of oil and the process of oil and how that applies to our walk uh, with the Lord. And we do know just through just recent teachings and through teachings of the past that we are called to be Christ-like. And um, just yesterday, Pastor Ron or Apostle Ron gave a brilliant teaching out of scripture about the influences of this world that we're experiencing from the Antichrist. And so the Lord is really speaking to us as a people that it's so important for us to really surrender not only all that we are to the calling and to our identity um, to be Christ-like, but to also to understand what that entails, the process that, that he brings us through to become Christ-like so that we truly can serve with him as sons of the King, sons of the Most High, and um, be prepared and ready for the end times. And so this, this hour is going to be a discussion about the oil, and I'm really so excited about this and, and what God is saying, but the most important thing for us is as we look through scripture and as we make discussion about things that have been seen in the spirit, things that the Lord has revealed through, you know, prophetically, that we bring an application and that we all step into what God is saying and what he is really not only requiring of us, but preparing us for um, in this season. And so I'm just going to begin by um, talking just for a minute about Christ and about really the root of what that means. Um, we've understood from our studies in the past and from just recent studies that Christ became, you know, Jesus became the Christ when he accepted the calling that the Father had for him to come to the earth and, and redeem us bring us into fellowship with the Father so that we could step into our place as sons of God and really function with him in this end time battle. And so um, we aspire to be Christ-like and that is what a Christian should be. But there's a process in being Christ-like. And, and so when, when Jesus became the Christ, he was anointed by the Father, by the Holy Spirit, and, and so we're just going to talk for a minute about what that anointing of God was. 
and and from the study and we know that it's an oil and it comes from the root word creo or creomai and it literally means to rub or to smear with oil now there's a process involved because in order to get oil there has to be a pressing you know you get oil from the olive and there's a pressing involved and so we understand that to become christ-like we must surrender all that we are to that pressing so that fruit can come through us that so that 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 um the fruit the the fruit of the oil can come through us in in a measure of the anointing but from that the i'm going to take us through just um, very simply the roots of the word creo um there's several different ones that identify with christ um there's the chair which is a Greek term, and it literally means the hand or the hollowness or the grasping of the hand. And so as we endure this processing, endure this pressure that the Lord brings to us to make us Christ-like, we literally prophetically take his hand, the hollowness of his hand, what looks maybe impossible to partner with him in bringing fruitfulness into something that looks barren. Um, it's it's we grasp his hand we grasp the hollowness of his hand and and we go forth with him in that partnership additionally when you study it even deeper it links with um, the principle of a storm of winter of wind so even in the times when things seem the most dead we have to remember that he is in that and life is there that is, that's really um, such a time, such a powerful time of partnership. And then even deeper that study goes into the understanding of like a vacancy or a gulf. And so to bring this all back around, for us to become Christ-like, for us to step into, really to step into the anointing of Christ as he did before his father, we have to allow ourselves to be pressed. We have to allow ourselves to surrender to the process of the Lord, to, to sanctify us, to make us holy, to prepare us for ministry, to prepare us to walk this walk with him as sons of God. And as we do that, we step into a walk of faith where we take his hand, his empty hand, that looks like nothing, but in his hand is everything. And we walk this walk of faith with him to bring forth fruit here upon this earth, to see the miracle happen here upon this earth. We do it through the storm, we do it through the wind, which is his spirit, and 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 we remember that that there's such a principle of wilderness or such a principle of that winter season where he is really preparing us to um, to break forth to break through and, and to, to bring forth the fruit. And um, it's just such a beautiful progression. It's such a beautiful understanding of, of our, the privilege that we have to partner with him and to identify with Christ in who he is and in the calling to be Christ-like and to be sons of the living God and to walk this walk with him. And so with that foundation laid, we are going to transition here and talk a bit about um, the wise virgins and the oil and the lamps 
which is something that is very significant for us in this hour. So I'm going to pass this on to our resident seer and teacher, Stacy McGill, and she's going to share with us really where this study came from. Thank you, Monica. Um, yes, when the pandemic started, I uh, just had it on my heart, probably from a teaching here in the house, but I had it on my heart to study the, the wise and foolish virgins. And I was just determined to find out why they were foolish and why they were not allowed to enter to the wedding party. Uh, it's Matthew 25, 1 through 13. And I noticed that all of the virgins were were waiting for the bridegroom. All of the all of them were virgins. Um, all of them were up late at night, and all of them had lamps. I noticed that they all uh, trimmed their lamps, and the word for trimmed is cosmio, means to put in order, adorn, or garnish. So the only difference really was that the foolish didn't come with their oil, and I couldn't understand why. And so I started to look through the scripture, and I found the passages in Exodus where they were developing the first tabernacle and you know Moses was explaining to the people what God had told them to do and how to go about uh, you know bringing things and how to build it and uh, one of the really important things was oil and they had to keep the lamp in the tabernacle burning all night so I think that the virgins would have had to have already known that and why would they come with the lamp and not bring oil so I think it really speaks to our our preparedness you know are we going to take this time you know before he returns before the bridegroom comes to you know gather us <laughs> are we going to be prepared are we going to have gone through that responsibility of pressing like Monica just explained are we going to you know, be watching and have our lamps trimmed and are we going to have that oil? So we just really need to be, you know, diligent students and, and stay before him so that that oil that's within us is always ready, always present. And we never really need to, they, the wise didn't give the, the foolish the oil when they asked. They said, no, you need to go buy your own. Um, so it's really an individual pursuit. Each one of us has to be prepared and carry our oil. So, uh, That's great, Stace. And Monica, thank you. It's good to be up here with both of you. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, the whole idea of, of what we've been discussing so far is that oil is really the blood of the, of the, of the olive. And it's only brought forth uh, through pressure and um, I guess the question for us here is what what do we produce under pressure what comes out of us under pressure and um, because pressures and challenges reveal the integrity of who we are and, and what's within us and that really um, that really falls in line with what you just said about the, the foolish virgin because Moros is what is, is used there to describe foolishness, and that is a twofold characteristic. Let's talk first of all about what it was used for in the nomenclature of the land. There were two real, I don't want to say curses, but derogatory descriptives of people. Um, one was Raka, which Jesus said, you know, you got to be careful if you call somebody Raka, and it was 
in regard to their responsibilities to their parents and honoring people. And that really touched on the uh, corrupt thinking. Moros was the one that spoke about the corruption from within and, and something that wasn't within you that should be there. So Rafa had to do with the mind, Moros had to do with the integrity of your, of your heart and, and what you were made of. So that being said, the foolish ones were, were really being called somebody that had not been watching what's within them. And when the pressure came and when the challenges came, they found themselves either corrupt or empty. And we take it a step further with Moros because it comes from Mysterion, which we as Pentecostals all recognize what that is. That's the mysteries of God, the progressive mysteries of God that are generated when we pray. The Bible, in the Spirit, the Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, we speak not unto men, but unto God, and we speak Mysterion. So it's our partnership with God. It's our willingness to commit ourselves to something that is beyond us. It's our willingness to partner with his plan, which God reveals step by step. That's why it's a walk of faith. He doesn't explain it all from end to the beginning and then ask our opinion. Uh, he, uh, he, he gives us the privilege of walking. It's with the journey with God. And so when you say somebody is moros, that means that they are dull, uh, and they are unequipped in the mysterion. So in other words, boiling it all down, they were not really walking in the confidence that God was in control. They weren't in the confidence that his mysteries were being laid out in perfect order. They, they thought he was out of touch with where they were. And when the pressure came, when the weariness came, when the timing looked awful, they were uttering things that belied the fact that they weren't really producing the oil that would indicate that they were responsible citizens. And so, and I think in, in this world today that we're in, there's a lot of pressures on us. There are a lot of things that are coming that, that are unusual. And it, it's really trying to wear out the saints, and it's really trying to test and refine what what is really in us and so I feel like you know this whole business of the anointing what it means to be Christ-like there are influences of the Antichrist in the world today that are that are using uh, these pressures to bring forth responses that are not godly that are not following the Lord and so we come back to, not to borrow from that uh, Capital One credit card, what's in your wallet, what, what, what's being produced out of you um, as you are being pressured? Are you foolish or are you wise? Phronomos, and I don't know if you're going to talk about friend or phronomos in a minute, but we can go there in just, a, in just a little while. Well, just to add to what you said about the Moros, <clears throat> my spirit just registered, and I, I remember this passage out of Proverbs 20, 27 that says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. And I think about the Moros, they weren't willing to partner with the Mysterion. And the Mysterion really is partnership in the revelation, you know, the unveiling revelation of what God is doing. That light, that candle is within us, and it does work the inward parts. That's why we have to keep 
the flame burning all the time. And that's a discipline, which we'll talk about with the friend. But I think about the mysterion and I think about, you know, what is truth? Truth is partnering with God in the unveiling of what has never been seen before. And, and, and truth is the fullness of light. It's the fullness of his ways. So they were not willing to, to partner with the fullness of, of the ways of God. And, and, and in the mysterion, therefore, that light was not coming forth. That truth was not coming forth. And that's a responsibility that we all have before the Lord. But it does, I mean, it does work the inward parts. And that's such a, a huge part, I think, about the sanctification process from the early understanding of oil is it was to, you know, sanctify us and prepare us for our calling. But it is a work of the Holy, you know, it is a work of the Holy Ghost. It's not, it's something that, that we have to be submitted to in the pressure because the Lord brings the pressure to refine us. He brings the pressure to test us. He brings that pressure to, to really um, to work us um, from the inside out. Well, yeah, and, and, and I think going along with that is what is used to describe the wise ones. Yeah. And that, that word coming from you know, a, a self-disciplined mind which root is the reins. You know, the Bible speaks in the Old Testament about how God tries the reins. The word for reins in the Old Testament was the word for the internal organs, particularly the kidneys. The bowels or the the, the kidneys. Okay, friend. Friend. Yeah, I don't remember the yeah. Old Testament yeah. word. But the point is that um, the, the the wise ones were were committed. And they were disciplined to do what God was wanting. And they kept their mind in focus. And you can see that from the comments of the foolish ones, their mind was all over the place. My Lord delays his coming. Where is he? You know? And they let their mind get out of control like a horse that's running wild. And, um, you know, um, it really revealed what was inside. It really revealed what wasn't inside. And, you know, when you talk about the anointing oil, you know, some people just get the idea that, you know, it's a done deal. Somebody puts oil on your head or whatever, and I'm anointed. Hallelujah, I'm anointed. I'm well, you know what? You can be anointed by God and totally act as if you're not anointed. And, you know, we're all anointed by God with a calling on our life, which Creo is used in Luke 4.18 when Jesus took the scroll of Isaiah and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That's, that's Creo. And that was his overall anointing. But then you find that um, the oil was also used to, to anoint the eyes. You know, Jesus rebuked the church at Laodicea because they needed to have their eyes anointed. They needed to enter into a new season they needed to enter into a fresh anointing. So you really have two things. You have an overall calling, and then you have God giving anointings for tasks, for new seasons. And if you're, if you're not paying attention, or if you've lost hope, or if you're not in commune with God, then you're going to miss that season. And then you're going to be producing things that are either a, a dry crop or a, a, a foul crop. 
but it all has to do with the, the distinction between whether you're you're really taking seriously what God has called you to be and you're really staying in touch with him and you're you've disciplined yourself to be a good and faithful servant or somebody that's lost control and they're lazy or they're fearful or they're just willingly ignorant and they lose track of things and and essentially they weren't saying you know I don't know what in the world's going on they said my lord is delaying his coming they're blaming god or they're saying that he's lost control or they're saying that you know he's not paying attention he really de- de- dealt me a bad hand so you're out of touch with god you start blaming god and everybody else and you lose the oil but if you stay in touch with god and you stay disciplined then your oil is full yeah it really it really does speak of of um our calling not just in intercession but our calling to the work of the temple i guess you could say or our ministry before the lord because we're all to be functioning as priests before the lord and you know intercession or the call to intercession the call to prayer the the call to relationship and commune with the lord which really is the foundation it is a discipline and it's both a passion and a discipline and so I love this this whole understanding of the wise and foolish virgins because it really makes you realize how important it is that your mind is in submission to the spirit and that you have that disciplined mind and your you know your let your mind is led of the spirit but your mind is still at work you know it's still functioning it's still because he created all he created every bit of us to function before him but two, you know, the spirit and the heart that drives us to him and that drives us to the pursuit and our devotion, all those things play into it and they're all really very much described in this understanding of the five wise and foolish virgins. And it takes us back to about, and I've already said this once, about how important it is that each one of us, and you said this, Stacy, we have an individual responsibility before the Lord as temples of the Lord to keep that fire on the altar burning. Nobody else can do that for you. You know, if you're waiting to be conjoled by your pastor, stop. Amen. Yeah, I mean, this is between you and the Lord, and I say this in this season because this season, the enemy would would love nothing more than to pull all of us away from our place, our place of ministry to the Lord as priests, in 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 His house, and and no, we we all. We know better. <laughs> we do. When you were talking about this season, I felt like the Lord was releasing the oil of gladness for this season to be like a grace tool for us to go into the, the things that we're, we're moving into next in this, this wonderful 2020 year. <laughs> yeah. um, I heard in, in worship uh, this phrase, from death to birth, from ill to healing. And I just knew that it's not, it's not like a magic uh, potion or anything, but I just knew that the Lord makes things change. He, I don't know, he, he's, so, he's so incredible. He's so generous to us. But when we operate in this healing, in this anointing, I'm sorry, when we operate in the anointing, we, it brings healing and it aligns us with him and his will. So 
that's going to see you're going to see changes. You're going to see miracles. You're going to see, um, you know, things move in in whatever direction he's uh, asking it to go in. So this oil of gladness is in Psalm forty-five seven. Thou lovest righteousness, and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. They're talking about Jesus as the bridegroom, and all of forty-five is a wonderful study. But I, I really think there's interesting partnership um, with his righteousness, with the bridegroom, um, the oil of gladness. Uh, gladness in there means it's season or season. I, I don't know how you say it. Cheerfulness, joy, mirth, rejoicing. It comes from sous, S-U-W-S, to be bright. It's also repeated again in Hebrews 1.9. Um Hebrews 1 9 says thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity therefore God even thy God has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows I, I just speak that over everyone listening I, I just really pray that everyone receives that joy and that cheerfulness and that rejoicing and and move in his brightness and Sorry. just and just be you know be ready to to listen and, and see what he shows you move in his power of his gladness that's good that's good and and, and i think that is a key uh this whole issue of gladness being f- from a word from which we gain our word season that if you view things it's, people often view things in such finite uh capacity everything that happens is like chicken little the sky is falling and they lose track of what is really going on and they don't recognize that God is in control and he does things in seasons. All of our lives are in seasons, but we often don't live like that. And so the oil of, the, the oil of gladness um, is, is really an oil that supplies us when we recognize we're partnering with God. Things are in his season. Um, this and and I love righteousness I love his vision and and I really I hate wickedness and that doesn't mean I'm against this that means that you look at what's going on and if it's if it's wrong you hate it so much that you don't want to have anything to do with it that you don't let it enter your heart it's not so much a, a, a thing where you're putting a judgment you're putting a restriction I'm gonna. What am I gonna honor into my life? I'm gonna honor righteous vision. And this wickedness, you're not coming inside me. You're not gonna influence me. And I, I recognize that what my God is doing is for a season. Your time is limited, wickedness. And so I'm gonna be joyful. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have the, um, the the result of gladness. Because it's a perspective that God's in control in this season, and this is this too shall pass, and but God's righteousness is going to go on forever, and so that's a key for the oil of gladness. Uh, it's the oil of the season, and um, that's what these foolish ones lost. They thought God was had lost the season. They thought his promise had gone sideways. And so they became despondent. So the oil of joy, part of the key to unlocking that is our perspective 
You know, it's there, it's available for us. But if we are, if we're not ready to receive it, or if we don't recognize that's what's going on, it's one of those cases where God was in this place and I didn't know it. So um, I'm grateful for that. That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful insight. I love that. I love that it's the oil of gladness. And the, the, the root of gladness is to be bright. Mm-hmm. And we know that the oil only comes through pressing, which goes into the lamp. The whole process of it is so amazing that it's that pressing that brings us into that place of gladness where we, are, where we truly are like the light of the Lord. And, and like you said, Pastor, for the season, um, it's like the foolish and the wise virgins. We have to make sure that we are enduring or we're submitting to this process of this oil of gladness. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, just after some of the teachings that have come about just recently about this season that we're in and the enemy influence, and we're not going to take this down the enemy influence path, but don't you think the enemy wants us to think that we've lost the season? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. so if ever we needed to apply this word out of Psalm 45, it's now. Yes. That is, that is such a prophetic word for us. Yes. Well, that whole chapter, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Okay. The whole chapter of 45, I, I feel like is is his directions. Is He gives us hope. He gives us so much strength in, in that partnership that it describes. And he rejoices over us when we are moving in his righteousness. And it, it's so empowering. Um, the there's an honorable woman mentioned in Psalm 45, and I looked up the word honorable. Uh, yakar it means valuable, make rare, precious, to be prized, bright, clear, costly, excellent. These are descriptions that we should see in our saints. Yeah, we should make that a goal personally to be those words. So we want to be the honorable woman we want to be that that bride that's clothed in gold that's been refined that's you know the appropriate match for that bridegroom and and happy happy. may as well be happy (laughs) yes and it says he will anoint thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows i love that too (laughs) he's the king of kings he is worthy yes talk about the candlesticks well you know i think i think that is a that's an interesting thing because you know i'm looking here at that psalm 45 and it says that um it describes the garments of such a person which represents what in verse 8 it it um it and it's right after the oil of gladness above thy fellows um the garments smell of myrrh which means you are prepared to die on behalf of what God is saying. Aloes, which is healing and remedies for whatever you face in the, um, in the, in the framework of, of life. And cassia, which is kind of a strange, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a strange spice. It's like cinnamon, but it's one of the daughters of Job. So you have to know that your, your garments, you need to know that whatever your mantle is, you've got to be prepared to prophetically die for, the, for what God's called. 
you've got to be willing to trust that he's going to bring healing and provision for whatever you face and that you're going to emerge through the whole process better than when you started because you're serving God. And that's a description of the mantle of this kind of honorable woman. And then um, it goes right on the heels of the oil of gladness. So if you're talking about Saison for a season, you're willing to walk through that season because you've, you're, you're giving yourself for the Lord, for the greater one. He's going to provide for everything you need. And when you emerge, you're going to have at least twice as much as you had. That's not your motive. But God's a good God. What were these wise virgins ending up with? A feast with the king. That's, that's it. And so that's what we have. And we have to know it's coming. The enemy would say, man, you're wasting your life. Look, you're going downhill. This is a bunch of nonsense. But you're holding on. And I, I love that. Amen. Anything? Now, cassia is also described as a cinnamon-like thing. And so I know that's medicinal. It, it works on the heart, I think, I heard somewhere. And um, so whatever whatever God brings you through is going to strengthen you. Amen. And you're, uh, you're going to be... Um, you're going to be spiced up <laughs> the yeah, presence of the Lord. Stacey, you talked some in your study about about smell, about fragrance. You want to yes. just touch on that just a little bit? Yes. Uh, just the power one of, of fragrance? One of the names of the Lord uh, is the Song, ointment. Song yeah. of Solomon, maybe? Exactly. Song of Solomon. One, three, I believe. Sorry, I'm turning to it right now. Um the the thing I thought was so interesting is they described him as that anointment as that and that smell was so precious it's actually spikenard and that spikenard comes from the Himalayas uh, high in the mountains I think it's like 10,000 feet up um, and it's it's just a very precious ointment and that was actually what they were using as uh, his name sorry I've lost it okay uh, because the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore, do the virgins love thee. That's Song of Solomon one three, and then it, it's also in one twelve. While the king sits sits at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. So he has this fragrance that we will recognize, and I believe we will have a fragrance that he will recognize. And if you're you know, just like we've been talking about, if you're in that relationship with him, it's going to be a sweet saver. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and that's what we really want. Um, I also noticed in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, uh, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, hath given himself for us as a offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Yeah, it's it so beautiful. much just links with our, with intercession mm -hmm. and with the the intercession of the saints and the fragrance that goes up to the Lord and that's a whole other study. Yes, it is. it is. That's the fun thing about the oil is you'll you'll find a lot of studies. <laughs> so hopefully everyone can find some new oil in their Bible. Yeah. <laughs> or in yeah. their palms of their hands. Yeah, or in their yeah hands. that's right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I believe the Lord is releasing a new dispensation of oil to to transition us 
to where the fulfillment of things that God has promised is going to be realized. And with that, kind of like plowman overtaking reaper, in the midst of that uh, fulfillment, we're going to be being prepared with a fresh anointing to go into the new. So it's the fulfillment of what we've had, but it's the presentation of ourselves for what God is wanting to do as a result of that. Because that's always a place, that's always a place where Christians miss it. God brings the, the, the ultimate victory. Well, ultimate, that's not a good word. When he brings a fulfillment of promise, and we get so lathered up with that, and we miss the fact that life goes on, and the kingdom goes on. This victory is not the be-all, end-all, even though it might feel like it. We've got to be ready to move forward. We rejoice in what's come, but we got to keep pressing forward. And that's the hunger. That's being full and hungry. And if, if at this point where God is pouring out his oil to remind us of the fulfillment, we also need to recognize that that oil is leading us into the new season. So if you're rejoicing, but you're pressing forward. And um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, I'm just going to add something prophetic. And I, I can't be held accountable to this because I said something to the young, the young ones when we were walking out of the church yesterday. That I felt like my feet yesterday, all morning, had oil on them. And I could mm -hmm. feel it on my shoes. And, and like on the soles of my shoes. And so when we walked past the, the, the pulpit, when we were walking out, I said, I feel like there's like something on the bottom of my feet, like an, an oil or something. And um, so I just speak that forth prophetically. I, I don't assume that when they pressed the grapes, they did uh, with the olives, they did it with their feet, but I know they did it with the grapes to bring forth wine. <laughs> so I don't well, know if in the spirit I've been pressing the. It may have been almond oil. You just don't it know. It could have been almond oil. I don't it know, but been. I mean, it was very prophetic, and it, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily, well, yeah, I kind of do today. But. Mm -hmm. So wow. I'm just going to add that that prophetic. That's wonderful. Word. It's already happening. Yes, yeah, that's there? wonderful. Well, that we're going forward. Yeah. Exactly, and that reminds me of when everybody knows the story of the alabaster box. Uh, Mary came and brought the this was also spikenard to Jesus six days before his crucifixion, and she anointed his head, but she also anointed his feet. And I really, you know, we studied. I remember uh, feet taking dominion, and of course he was the king of kings, so his head, his leadership, his, his government, you know, and that was a historical change, but he told everybody to leave her alone and let her do it because it was for his burial. He knew that she was preparing him for that crucifixion and what a incredible fulfillment of purpose. And it started with the spike nard and spike nard is known for, um, takes away stress and anxiety. It brings calming. So that I think the medicinal, and it smells really good, it's supposed to be. So um, it's, it's really amazing how he prepared for that and how the Lord provides. Yeah, it's interesting. That's such a great story that the Mary that anointed his feet because it was in an alabaster box. And the thing about alabaster is that it's nice to keep things temporarily, but it, it's not like a Tupperware, you know? It, you will lose what's in the oh, alabaster. It, it will it will move through it. Oh. It will gradually dissipate through the material. 
and that's that's why alabaster was more used as a as a, uh, a mortar and pestle for dry materials because you know you could do the work in there and then you could medicinally prescribe things but why she had that in there it was pretty but she probably um, I don't know why she had it in an alabaster box but the point was is that she wasn't going to be able to keep it eventually it was going to go and so that's that's the kind of thing you know if you're going to expend your life expend it on something that someone who is eternal and well, too, it's like every measure of anointing that God gives to us every point of fruitfulness that he wants to bring through us it is through us mm. it is not necessarily for us yeah. it is for us to be broken and spilled out it is for us to overflow and 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 be that vessel yeah. so you this, can't hold on to that yeah. so this body is created for seasonal work yeah you know Good word. and so this woman recognized that and she poured her oil out of something out of a container that wouldn't be able to keep it and so that's that's really what we need to view our own lives as not from a frailty standpoint but from the perspective of the what the anointing really is for it's for the seasonal the season of this life and for the time points on the life when God is doing a new thing and we receive that oil and we pour ourselves into it that's good Spike nard. <laughs> the nard. Yeah. So, you know, I think there are so many aspects that we can pursue regarding the anointing and the oil. And we had to begin today with the perspective of the personal generation of generating of this and what we do with the anointing and how we how we perceive it in our lives. You know, because again, this timing business is is a real deal breaker for some, but it's also precious to God because you know as well as I do that some people will begin and they become like that foolish one. They think, what good am I doing? You know, it's just taking forever. You know, is it ever going to happen? And then that leads into, well, you know, I just don't feel like praying. I just don't feel like spending time with God. I love Him, but I think He's really lost track of me. And then you step out of touch, and then you, you stop that commune, and then you're not equipped. And you find yourself then saying things. The Lord's delaying. You know, I don't know what's happened. You know, maybe I didn't hear him right. And the anointing is there, but you're just not utilizing it properly, and you're not producing the effect that keeps the light burning. Because the objective of that light was to welcome him. It wasn't for any other reason really according to the story and so um, but if you don't talk about what's going on in us then what good is the talk about the anointing see people often think of the anointing from a uh, from an action perspective well bless God I got the anointment and I'm gonna move out nothing's gonna hold me back because the anointing breaks the yoke but they lose the timing perspective and that's the essence. It's an issue of character. It's an issue of you staying in right relationship with God. And if you if you don't keep that, it doesn't matter if God pours you know, oil 
the size of the Red Sea on your head. What's going on inside you is going to determine the effectiveness of that oil. And so um, I, I think that it's important for us to begin this discussion with that understanding because it rules and governs every other thing. And so um, I'm grateful for, for this. Me too. Yeah, and I think too, and, and I'm going to go back to, the, to this passage that I've already quoted once out of Proverbs where it talks about the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord searching the inward parts of the belly. You know, God, he knows our inward parts and he, if when we submit that to him for a touch from him, he meets us there. Mm-hmm. And, and with that pressure to deal with the sin, the iniquity, whatever it is, bitterness, Whatever it is that we're dealing with, and I do know that in this season, and this has been spoken from from the pulpit multiple times, we have to endure that process because we cannot go in to what we're heading into with any measure of offense or bitterness. We absolutely cannot because it's like that song says, I don't want to be offended when the Lord comes. I don't want to miss him. And you can miss him in a moment when you're offended. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I, I just I just am, am so like praying for God's people, for all of us, that we truly are submitted to this process of of pressure and 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 sanctification and really dealing with the most inward parts within us. And listen, months ago when this whole season began, we began talking about that. I mean, I remember you, Pastor, yourself testifying about how the Lord was reminding you of things deep inside of you that you had not resolved yet. True. And he was demanding you, you know, pretty much putting a demand on you to address those things. But the anointing was there for you to do it. And so just be really sensitive to that. That's that's really, that really does belie, not belie, that reveals something that God's trying to do in us. And... Perhaps uh, in the remaining time that we we have, um, we can express to those of you who are hearing this that God is loves you very much, and He wants you to succeed, and He wants you to fulfill what His anointing and calling is upon your life, and it's it's good for you to allow him to search the inward parts of your your heart you know i i referenced uh, isaiah 10 verse 27 about the yoke being destroyed because of the anointing and the yoke there really means something that binds you or restricts you and that can be in any of us what what is binding you what is restricting you and, and again, you're the only one that will know that. Now, other people, because you may murmur about it, are aware that something's wrong with you. But you're the only one that can let God heal that. So how does the anointing destroy the yoke? Well, it's because you recognize that the things we've been talking about is your real calling. And that God has put... A, a, a wonderful investment of himself in you and you are to be serving him in this season and that 
when you when you realize that then things that bind and things that oppress from within is is going to be broken and destroyed and you know really sometimes it's funny you watch people and you know this works for yourself too one person can just move through a thing as if nothing's happening another person can go through that same thing and all of a sudden all hell's breaking loose what's the difference there it's because of the first person is not intimidated by it they don't have anything in them that is susceptible to that the next person is really not enslaved by the problem that didn't bother the first one it's it's that they have challenges within that they need to deal with and um, so that's the yoke so the anointing is the answer now again we've read that passage and we've said well I need an anointing on me to break this stuff off haven't we thought that I know I have but that's really not what it means the if you really understand and accept what this anointing is what this oil is what we've been talking about and how it is intrinsic it's integral it's within us that that really generates the power and the effectiveness of the anointing then you know that the yoke is not what anybody else is doing not what any circumstance is doing not what the pressures of the season are but the yoke is something that you've allowed to bind you David prophesied when Saul was chasing him. Joseph ministered when he was thrown in the slammer for things that he hadn't done and when his brothers had sold him into that slavery. Paul sang at midnight after he had been beaten because he, he had set someone free. Those things were not binding him. They did not set the description of who he was. Who he was was a child of God that was anointed to accomplish something. So you want to break the yoke off? It's not because somebody's pouring oil on your noggin. It's because you are choosing to surrender those things that are binding you. You take the step. You give God your best and then believe for his best to flow through you. But, you know, if you have bitterness in you, if you have unforgiveness, if you or just somebody that's lost perspective, that's binding. The wise virgins had their perspective right, and they were ready with oil to celebrate when God says, this season of waiting is over, I'm here. So which are you going to be, and what what are you producing under pressure? So this we had to talk about this first because... Really, if we, if we don't get this right, there's no reason to talk about any of the rest of it. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It, may, it, makes, me, it makes me think about Isaiah 6. And I, and I know at the beginning of the season it was prophesied that the Lord was wanting to reveal himself in, in new ways to us. And I fully believe that. But you think about Isaiah 6 when, when he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And what happened right after that? He he sees the Lord, he sees the train, it fills the temple, and he immediately he goes into 
I am a man of unclean lips, and I am in a, amongst people with unclean lips. And God met him right there and took that coal from the altar and touched him and prepared him for the transition really into his identity and his calling right there. And there's no reference to anointing right there, but I do know that God, he is revealing himself to us. And when you step into the presence of the Lord like that, and you see him, you see the perfect, almost instantly you're going to see the imperfect in you. Not to shame you, not to bring you into any other place, but a place of repentance. I want to be like him. At least that's my experience. And, and and so that repentant heart, that recognition of, Lord, I'm dealing with bitterness. You know, like what we talked about early in the season. I'm dealing with this, uh, something that's unsettled in my spirit that happened 10 years ago. Anything like that, God will meet you there and he will touch you with just what you need to, to be able to transition you. Yeah. Makes you whole. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on the hour mark, and that's uh, that's about all the oil we think you can tolerate for right now. But there's a lot more. There's a lot more oil where that came from. <laughs> but we don't want to we don't want to overflow you. We've given you a lot to 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 focus on, and I think that um, it's up to you now as to what you will do personally with what you've heard. And I know that all three of us up here are going to process this as well for our own lives because we all when we're besmeared we want to make sure that we are <laughs> that we're <laughs> that we're ready amen amen so i think uh, the next time we come together we'll probably talk about the candlesticks and we'll talk about what we're supposed to be as temples of the lord and um so, thank you, Stacy. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, me. <laughs> thank you, Pastor. And may thank God. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Lord, Amen. yes. He's the best, the most important one. So, till next time, God bless you all. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again real soon and continuing our study of the oil of anointing.